Welcome to episode 500 of Anglican Unscripted, seven years in the making. I'm Kevin Coulson. I'm George Conger. I'm Gavin Ashland. It's April the 23rd, St. George's Day, and Tuesday in Easter week. Gentlemen, congratulations. We've made it 500. It's been a long time coming, and I thought we could uh, certainly uh, indulge the audience of what's happened to all of us in the last seven years. Uh, I had a chance to go through and uh, look uh, at some of the old episodes, and uh, literally the first 20 episodes sound like a, a NPR podcast. Welcome to another edition of Anglican Unscripted. This is the only video podcast on the internet devoted to Anglicans. And that's because there's only two people crazy enough to sit down and do this. That's Kevin and George. I'm Kevin Carlson. And I'm George Conger. And today is October 1st, 2011 CE. Of two very uninteresting people back then, George and I were doing this. And uh, I'm surprised the show took off. Now, certainly the show was led by news, not just uh, two faces on a podcast, but it didn't take long to figure out that we could add to this, and we added Gavin uh, somewhere in the 400s uh, to our show, and it's done nothing but uh, increase the audience. So we want to thank you, first of all, the audience. For there are watching. now three viewers, not <laughs> yes, two. three viewers. <laughs> we want to thank the audience for tuning in every week. And we had about 45 submissions of videos that I'm going to put up, uh, some in this episode. I've uh, been contacted by previous uh, contributors, uh, David Old, Peter Old, um, and Alan. We're going to add them to this show. The thing is, I don't want a four-hour show. So we'll, we, we want to start off talking a little bit about transformation of the show. And we, let's start off with physicality. Um, we've all been through some major ailments. People recognize that uh, Gavin used to wear a pirate's eye patch. George had this neck brace for the longest time. Uh, I was uh, a bit heavier and was on uh, 120 milligrams of insulin a day. Uh, a lot's changed in seven years. George, let's start with you. You you were paralyzed uh, severely uh, after yeah, I surgery. I was a paraplegic after neck surgery, uh, medical error. And if you look at some of the episodes, you can see me with my uh, hard collar on and off camera. My wife would click the play and the stop button because I couldn't move, manipulate my fingers. And, you know, the last seven years has been periods interspersed of extreme physical suffering, emotional, spiritual, professional. But each time, even each time when I felt that I have been at the bottom of that well and I'm not going to get out, the Lord has been there for me. And I can look at myself today and say, spiritually, my life has never been better. Now, I could be wealthier, I could be thinner, all this and that. But even in the midst of sufferings, God has used them to build, um, to build who I believe I am today. 
Indeed. Pirate Gavin. <laughs> well, I don't want to compete in the suffering states no, with George, and I, and, and I can't. Um, I, I was certainly surprised in the last year, just after I accepted your invitation to be involved, discover myself having three major eye operations and, and having been lame as well. Uh, and as with George, it was very painful indeed. However, so really, you were lame, halt, and blind. Yeah, it's slightly, slightly mentally deficient as well, I think, as our viewers will know. Uh, it was, it was, you know, really quite bad. Um, my greatest surprise, I, I had to ask Kevin when you started, and the answer is 2012. Um, uh, 11, 12, uh, yeah. I would say seven years ago. <laughs> well, in yeah. 2000, although I wasn't part of the show, um, and little did I know I'd get to be a celebrity with YouTube, you were always my pinups. <laughs> I, I was, I was, um, uh, I was somebody. I, I had a senior university position. I was a chaplain to the Queen. I was in and out of Lambeth Palace every few weeks. I uh, was constantly being interviewed for exotic new posts. Turned down for most of them, but but nonetheless, I came second to a lot of really high-class jobs in the Church of England. Um, and uh, if I could have seen what the next few years looked like, I would have, I would have completely panicked. As it is, the, the, the pattern of Easter is that the Lord strips of the stuff he doesn't want us to rely on, and he gives us something else. And he certainly stripped me of pretty well everything I can think of and has given me so much else. I mean, like George, I'm, I'm, I'm astonished. I mean, I am. I'm, I'm, slightly, uh, uh, I'm slightly nervous, I think, still. I, I, I hate the idea of looking... Stupid. It's one of the, as an Englishman, a middle-class Englishman, appearing to be ridiculous is one of the fears Satan taunts you with in the middle of the night. Um, but I have to say, in terms of the Easter faith, the external uh, crumbles and the internal gets renewed. Um, there's more Holy Spirit, more of Jesus, and I look back and and think that He's done some quite wonderful things, mainly with me kicking and screaming. Okay, I'm what? gonna uh, okay. Go on, George. I, I'm going to say, I think, Gavin, what you've missed and what uh, I think hasn't been said about Kevin is what I have found over the last seven years is a well of wisdom from my two uh, uh, compatriots. Gavin may say that he was at the top of his professional world, and Kevin certainly has been at the top of his professional world this entire period. But as I've seen this time go on and each of you go through different successful and barren patches the spiritual person has just grown exponentially so now people actually listen to what you guys say and it's to their good to their spiritual good it's to me that is just the exciting part of anglican unscripted because this is not just a chat show this is really a form of ministry um in the sense that God's, God's love, God's word, God's truth, God's passion, I think, is being imparted by what we try to say and do. The desire of the show early on was to be, you know, give information, news, encouragement about the Anglican Communion, which, as any outside observer can tell, is in a sort of reformation, maybe civil war, hopefully just a reformation. And my desire was to get together talking heads that could talk about the news of this re reformation. And I certainly found a great resource in George, who's a walking historian 
uh, a journalist for many years for many wonderful periodicals out there. Uh, and Gavin, chaplain to the Queen, Church of England, you know, had all the great qualities. Uh, certainly the old brothers have helped us out. Alan mm. Haley, you know, Mr. Oh, I've, I've argued at the Supreme Court and won. You know, I, I, I've been surrounded by these people who've been very successful, but not just as people, but as ministers uh, and as servants of the Lord. And I think that's what makes this show work. I also think banter, humor, uh, and cutting comments really help the show. Um, the banter George and I have had for these seven years, people really appreciate that friendship. Uh, Gavin's uh, uh, English wit and banter, people love it. He just sounds so wise. That's the English accent, don't you? Don't. I, I practice in the mirror in the mornings. <laughs> this is my, my wise voice. <laughs> and it helps that we're consistent. We try as hard as possible to do at least one show a week. If we can do two, we do two. Um, but the show used to start out with episodes one through maybe a hundred were three different segments per show. We would do a, uh, a seven minute segment on one topic and then uh, another topic and a third topic. And sometimes we had three different co-hosts. I would have Alan on or I'd have Peter on and George. In the early days, the technology to do what we're doing now was not available. There was no way to have a live recording at our price point, <laughs> at, at, our, at your giving level uh, to do what we're doing now. Now, we just go online and we click a button. Hopefully it works, but I click a little red button and uh, a few minutes later, you see us talking on Facebook or on YouTube and it's, it's wonderful to be able to do this. Yeah, when we started, Kevin, uh, I think viewers may not remember, you and I would digi digitally record ourselves I would then upload that reporting to you, and that would take several hours mm -hmm. to upload. Then you would, in essence, try to place them side by side, the two recordings. And so for a, a, a half-hour show, you'd have about four hours of, I may exaggerate, but it was about, I remember about four hours sure. of work to put out a half-hour show. Nowadays, uh, Kevin basically pushes the print button uh, within 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, oh, you just have to put in the headers and the footers, and we're off. Yeah, a little music just here. The technology has just been so incredible. Yeah. See? So I think the technology has finally caught up to our desire for recording internationally. And other than Gavin having snow or rain in France, we generally get to have a, a good show. Um, tell us. One, let, oh, yeah, Kevin, on. one thing I, I think people, one of the things, when we first came out, um, Within a year or two, we would we would still go to the various uh, events to do our news reporting. And one of the first things we went to well, within a year of starting was an ACNA council meeting. I think it was in North Carolina somewhere. And one of the things that people we, people just were starting to watch the show was becoming very popular. And the thing that I took away from that meeting was the people came up to me and I chat with them and they would say you're just like who you are on TV. And I, and I thought, well, that's, that's, that's not particularly compelling to me, but, <laughs> that's but, but as I began to think about, as I began to think about it, one of the things that has been attractive is that the team Kevin has been able to assemble, they are who you see they are. There's no acting, there's no 
posing, there's no pretending. When you see anguish, when you see anger, when you see joy, that's really what we're expressing and feeling. And what that seems to be, because according to every metric we have, we're the most popular Anglican-related video out there, that seems to be attracting people in ways that I just didn't think was possible. I'm very pleased that the one time I burst into tears, you kindly edited it out. We don't show everything. <laughs> no, don't show everything. <laughs> I do have overall, you know, when, when, after I press the uh, record button off, I have a little bit of ed editorial control, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> Thank God. And you know, over the time, we've had some technical issues. I would say at least 10 or 15 shows just never made it because uh, audio wasn't recorded. The camera wasn't lined up right um, for whatever reason. We've had to re-record probably 10 to 15 shows. That's just life. Um, and for us, this has been transformative um, because not only do we put our show out, but you as an audience respond to it. We get emails every week from people who uh, really like to show. It was a topic they wanted to hear. It was encouraging to them. Uh, they like to have people with their opinions. They see something wrong, and they like to hear people talking about what's wrong and how to make it right. And wow, I'm glad I can be a part of that. That's, that's amazing. Uh, I'd like to expand just a little bit. Two, two of the most moving encounters I've had have been when priests have come up to me, big, big burly men, I think both with beards, actually, as it happened. Um, and, and speaking of tears, have uh, have wept rather and thrown themselves into my arms, saying, "I don't feel so alone anymore." I think one of the things I hear a lot, a lot from this ministry as well as other things we do, is that we we give a coherence uh, and an inter an interpretation to some of the dynamics that people feel, but but find it quite difficult, as all of us do, to put in a proper mental and theological map of discernment. So, um, and that was true for me too. I mean, I, I was very grateful for, to Peter Old, who I uh, thought and still think was hugely informed, as you both were. This combination of knowing some things as well as understanding some things was helpful to me, and it looks as though it's helpful to quite a number of people to, to give us a sense of, of the river and the currents we're swimming in or trying to swim in. But also on an interpersonal level, I think what you're seeing is that we're modeling male friendship. And that is a very rare commodity in the modern world. Because of the hypersexualization of everything, friendship among men is, is, is not what it once was. And so to see three people gathering together who are not striving to top one another, who are not, uh, no, there's not a single one of us who seeks to be front and center. Here I am, front and center. Uh, <laughs> but rather sort of, uh, ruminating on the same topics, sharing what's on their heart, offering the experience of their ministries and of their studies and of their life experiences. And it works. Well, and we, we bring different things to it. So that we, why, why would we compete? We're, we're different, we bring different gifts, and it's a combination of the gifts in some kind of mutuality that I think is one of the things that uh, is powerful in this, in this combination un, under the Holy Spirit. So, friends, do not ask me for investment advice. Ask Kevin. <laughs> ask Kevin. <laughs> well, okay, I'll be honest. The last seven years have been really, you know, nice uh, for our personal finances. But, you know, that's just, that's outside the program. That's just part of life. You know, I happen to follow the stock market and I do well there. 
George has had wonderful parts of his life that have flourished. Gavin has been amazing not been parts. financial. <laughs> he's not been financial. <laughs> Gavin as well. <laughs> you know, Gavin as well. Everybody who's been part of this show has <clears throat> been transformed uh, by God through the Holy Spirit. I mean, I'm not the person I was when I pressed record on episode one. Uh, I have grown tremendously uh, in my relationship uh, with the God above and the, and the Jesus in my heart. It's just, it's the way it is. Uh, and we and, may come to talk about it. We may come to talk about this in the show, but I think, too, life has become very much more complex theologically, spiritually, and politically. And actually, the need for a, uh, a forum where the gift of discernment can be exercised uh, becomes important in proportion to the complexity of the times we live in. And they're getting very complex. I, I would push it even further. I think evil is becoming more prominent in our daily lives. Mm. And one of the things that I've value very highly in talking privately with Gavin and Kevin is to be able to, how do I live in an evil, broken, fallen world? Evil exists. What must I do to be faithful to the Lord Jesus when evil is all around me? And maybe I'm getting old, but I just see it more and more and more, uh, the sense of social and cultural and spiritual evil just out there in this world. Well, I think for the first time, Christianity has lost the the benefit of the doubt in secular minds. Uh, we used to at least have um, Christianity and Christians were looked upon as uh, faithful people who, if I'm not one of them, I'm not going to bother them. Well, now Christianity and white man and white oppressors and uh, all that have really been downtrodden and hated <coughs> by secularism. And for the first time, at least to, you know, in our lifetime, we're going to see some very real persecutions and martyrdom of Christians uh, that is going to be unfathomable to how we thought we were in the 80s and the 90s. Right. Life is changing. And what we thought was going to be protected uh, freedoms and religion, that's no longer going to be here. And George, Gavin, and I are here to walk you through it, but... Uh, you're going to need to pray and, about this. And another thing to keep in mind is each of us geographically <coughs> are in different cultural little islands. Hmm. The experience of Kevin being a Christian in the secular Northeast, the experience of Gavin of being a Christian minister and leader in the post-Christian England is very different from my experience in the rural South of the United States. I mean, I'm in Florida, but I'm in North Florida, North Central Florida. And we still live in, in my part of the world. Uh, I can make people feel guilty on Sunday afternoons if I see them in the grocery store because they should have been in church. People even I don't know. Uh, but in other words, there's still a deference to the clergy in my part of the world. You're still a man of or a woman of prominence in your community, whereas that's gone in the Northeast. And in England, I think you're now regarded as the enemy of all right-thinking people if you're a Christian minister, a true Christian minister. These are true. Uh, well, guys, are we going to talk about any news stories at all? We're, we're what, 19 minutes in? or are you just Indian like, corruption, Kevin. I vote yeah, for Indian oh, corruption. I've been trying to get that in for about the <laughs> last 600 episodes. And I'd like to talk about the way the media has reacted to the Sri Lankan massacre. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that because uh, a couple, three weeks ago... Sorry, four, 
<laughs> oh, it'll keep. It'll keep. Be a new bishop, new story next week. Not yeah. to worry. Four weeks ago, some freakazoid, horrible human being live streamed a massacre in New Zealand uh, where he went into a couple of mosques and killed with a, a rifle in a horrible way many, many people. And the world got up and said, look at what white oppressors are doing to the Muslims, to the people who are not white in this world. And I'm like, yeah, we earned it. You know, I got it. You know, white people are bad. And then all of a sudden we see eight, nine people walk into hotels and churches in Sri Lanka and blow themselves up. And just today they're releasing some of this footage, which is just horrid of a man walking into a church right in the middle, right in the front of the pulpit and clicking. And you're just like, this is an evil world, regardless of your color, regardless of your background, regardless of who you worship, there is bad things in this world. And I, I'd certainly like to talk about how the, the secular world and how the secular media interprets this evil because they want to uh, put motive to it. And there's really no motive to evil. Gavin, on to you. I'd like to begin, I think, with my sense that many people don't understand why the Church of England is has been so spiritually corrupted. Uh, they may think that, that there's some kind of special pleading that comes from a sense of pique from, from, from us or from me in particular. Um, there's going to be a gay pride a march blessed by Durham Cathedral. Um, and a lot of people say, this is a wonderful thing. We're reaching out to the marginalized and the excluded and the weak and the vulnerable, just as Jesus would have done. And who, who are these bigots who find something to complain about in this? Uh, the, the link with Sri Lanka I'll try and make immediately. Um, one of the things that's happened very gradually over the last 30 years is, is the introduction of a new worldview, mainly through, through education, which is this mar a Marxist worldview, which is that um, the important things are put into a hierarchy with victimhood at the top and, and anyone who had power at the bottom. And right throughout the world, Christianity has been seen as having had power in the last two or three hundred years, partly because um, through the scientific revolution, the enlightenment, the idea that God could be known and there was a deeper rationality in the universe that was dependable and could be discovered was a profoundly Christian idea. And so there was a link between Christianity and progress. The progress wasn't used particularly well in, in, as, in some people's opinions as they look at colonialism. And so if you then come with this Marxist idea that uh, victimhood of any kind has a new kind of sanctity to it. Um, that puts Christianity, uh, and then a number of things associated with Christianity, men, white men, old white men, <laughs> old white Christian men, <laughs> right at the bottom of the pile. Now, why, why does that matter? Uh, it, it matters because uh, Christianity is not a study in power relations. Uh, if it was, Jesus' followers would have stood up and fought for him. He said so, he made that very clear. Uh, in, in Holy Week. Christianity is instead uh, a study in purity and love. And the problem when you overlay Christianity with a study in power relations, which is what the hierarchy of victimhood has done, is that you get a very distorted Christianity, at the, and it may be at the expense of purity and, and agape. 
So the problem in, in the Church of England is it has abandoned purity and compassion in, in favor of this hierarchy of victimhood, which is why it has adopted uh, LGBT issues, which in the Bible are seen as, as, as offering an impurity. Sex outside marriage is impure. A lot of other things are impure too, which is why it's a study in purity. Now, how does this move on to, to Sri Lanka? Because um, it means that in public affairs, Christianity is is being has been seen to be unfairly advantaged and needs to be put at its place at the bottom of all hierarchies. It was very interesting to see how when that butcher murdered people in a mosque in New Zealand, uh, how there was a sense of quite proper human compassion, which 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 overflowed, but it, it, it overflowed in a political sense. So the Prime Minister of New Zealand covered her head and began to adopt certain aspects of Muslim culture, society solidarity. So it was interesting to see whether or not she or anybody else would do the same thing at Sri Lanka. Has any politician, Hillary Clinton perhaps, worn a mantilla uh, or, or, or taken a rosary in solidarity? Uh, and the answer is absolutely not. In fact, quite the opposite. First of all, they wouldn't even call them Christians. And secondly, they wouldn't acknowledge that it was Muslims who killed them. Uh, as if in some way it were possible to diminish the atrocity against Christians. Be the great danger with adopting this new study in power relations is that it doesn't tell the truth about what's really going on. I, I, I was asked to give a small broadcast on LBC on Sunday morning and I found myself wanting to put it as simply as possible, and that is to say that history is overshadowed by three figures at the moment. One of them is Karl Marx, one of them is Mohammed, and one of them is Jesus. Marx and Mohammed both believed in getting their principles enforced by power, and Jesus it believed taught us it would be by love and the other cheek. Now, in a three-cornered fight where two people are willing to use power and the other one is, is, is committed to humility and love, guess what's going to happen? And so, um, but, but that reality is being hidden by the media as it keeps on interpreting political events as an opportunity to repay Christianity back for what it misunderstands as having been its position of privilege in history. The, the media has done such an execrable job in these recent uh, cathedral, Notre Dame cathedral burning and the attacks in Sri Lanka. I just want to touch on two or three that some are actually quite amusing. The New York Times ran their story the next day about the cathedral uh, fire, and they had a, uh, several paragraphs about the French police fire brigade chaplain who rushed in, who rescued the crown of thorn relics. And then the article, and I was reading this, it said, and then uh, the priest rescued a statue from behind the altar. And I didn't think anything of it because it's in the New York Times. Then I read some of the other stories, and I noticed there's no mention of the statue behind the altar. And I was thinking, well, why would this priest grab a statue behind the altar when there's all this else? Turns out that the French New York Times reporter, who is fluent in French, understood the body of Christ to mean a statue of Jesus behind the altar. Oh. Not that the priest rushed in to re retrieve the consecrated wow. elements, the sacraments. So we've got the New York Times, America's, if you will, leading paper of record, clueless in describing Christianity. Then we have uh, the initial reports, and um, there was Shepard Smith, who was a reporter on the Fox News Network, 
was uh, speaking to a French politician, and the French politician said, you know, we think this might be in line with all the hundreds of other church burnings and bombings in France. And Shepard Smith said, we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to speculate. We're going to close the door on any discussion. So Shepard's Fox News, in the person of Shepard Smith, has decided that American viewers do not need to know that several hundred French churches have been vandalized and destroyed. Eight, 850 uh, in 12 months. 850. We don't need to know that. The Archbishop of Canterbury, in his Easter Sunday address, he touched upon the Sri Lanka bombings. And of course, he has to go in defending Muslims, denouncing as a lie conspiracy-minded right-wing nutjobs who suspect that Muslims might be behind the, bur the, the burning of Notre Dame Cathedral. And, and that's not Islamophilia, that's Marx. That that's giving the Muslims a free a freer pass because in in the, his view and the Marxist view of history they've been privileged. So this is anyway. Yes, sorry, George. Well, fir first off, we don't know what happened in France. The the fire inspectors will make their report, and we've seen reports, you know, saying it was this, it was that, but there's no news. Problem is in France, the government is so distrusted that the average Frenchman is not waiting. Uh, for an honest report to come out of the government. They're waiting for a government to absolve itself and find some problem. But Justin George, Welby... Can I, can I just say in parenthesis, sure. just, just for the sake of accuracy, um, the company that were doing the restoration are, are a very well-known company who got the contract because they've done a great deal of medieval restoration. And one of the things they know is that they're dealing with a combustible building. So they allow no electricity, no power, nothing that might cause an accident and fire in the roof. They 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 are very upset because their professional competence has been maligned by people who said this was an accidental fire caused by a fire a fire uh, um, power failure, leaving only the possibility of arson. But because if you talk about arson, you immediately the only people who would commit arson in a Christian cathedral are the Islamists at the moment. Contextually speaking, nobody has reported that it's not allowed. Sorry, a footnote, close bracket, please go on. But it's all part of the same package where our American media, liberal, they don't touch, they don't even open this door, whereas when it is slightly pushed ajar, we had Neil Cavuto and uh, Shepard Smith on the Fox Next work slam this shut, not allowing any discussion. And here we have the Archbishop of Canterbury saying it's a lie. Now, how does he know it's a lie? Why doesn't he just say, isn't it terrible that this happened? We're waiting to find out what occurred. We pray it wasn't something bad. Instead, it's a lie. Now, I don't want to say the man's an idiot or a fool because that's being personal. It's unkind, and I'm sorry for that. But the man's an idiot and a fool. Uh, but much more importantly, he's, he's preferencing Marx over Jesus. He's, he's preferencing the Marxist worldview over the gospel worldview, the study in purity and love. That, that's why the heresy is so terrible. That's why you find in this pursuit of victimhood and above all LGBT culture that, that this is entirely antipathetic to what the gospels are teaching and standing for. It's not Christianity. Let me just take some other examples of British bishops behaving badly on this issue. Um, recently, uh, Brunei, which is Sultanate on the north coast of Borneo, uh, introduced some Sharia law measures. The Archbishop of Wales, Archbishop uh, Davies, 
can't go wrong saying either Davies or Jones, but if, if it's Wales. The Archbishop of Wales uh, denounced this law as being cruel and unkind to gays and lesbians. Now, never mind the fact that this law was introduced to crack down on the exponential growth of Christianity in Sarawak. <coughs> Some of the fastest growing Anglican dioceses in the world are in Southeast Asia, in Sabah, in in uh, Singapore and all throughout this world and Islam is on the defensive in that part of the world from growing evangelical Christianity and so the Sultan is trying to crack down by introducing Sharia law and what does the Archbishop of Wales do? He complains about it's being unkind to gay people. Or we have the fool of a bishop, uh, I'm not going to say his name because he's such a moron uh, but it's a northern diocese. He used to be a suffer. He used to be an area bishop in London, before being transferred to the north. He said, "Oh my, isn't it terrible that Omar Bashir of Sudan is gone? Because you know, it's really hard to fix something once it's broken, and we really, really should uh, not uh, cheer the overthrow of a dictator for thirty years, but allow the democratic process to unfold." Now, remember, Omar Bashir is the first head of state ind indicted by the International Criminal Court for genocide. Do you remember Darfur? Do you remember the tens of thousands of black Africans murdered by the Janjaweed militia under Bashir's direct advice? And we've got a bishop telling us, oh my, this is a mistake to allow for regime change in Sudan. What are these? I don't How know, do they pick these people, Kevin? Where did these guys come from? I mean... I thought the 70s hippie era was over. Where these? This is finally where they all wound up all these years later. The people who were uh, drug hippies in San Francisco in the 60s and 70s, they're now in charge, George. And uh, uh, they're now the professors of the universities. They're now in yeah. government. And, and Gavin, Gavin said this many times. Gavin, remind us again how many Church of England bishops are uh, uh, opposed to, uh, are, are in favor of Brexit? Not a single one. Um, I, I just like one of the exciting things that's happened more recently is the appointment of a suffragan bishop of Southampton. Tim Dakin, that famous uh, reliable evangelical, has appointed a, another colleague. Um, and and it's emblematic of the new culture of the Church of England. I mean, she's a, a lady, God bless her. That, that, there we are. Um, she, she trained part-time at a, one of our least prestigious part-time training courses, um, she she didn't have an incumbency, uh, so her her experience her, her level of exposure to pastoral ministry is is zilch. However, uh, she then became an honorary canon, and um, but her great uh, her, her credibility is because she was a National Health Service middle manager, just like the Bishop of London. So it appears to be a bishop in the Church of England. They are ideal credentials that have no theology. To spend some time as a middle manager in a state into a state service, um, and have very little experience of running a parish, and that fits you to be a bishop in the Church of England nowadays. This isn't sour grapes; um, it's it's just gobsmackedness, really. <laughs> it's, well, it's remember, the, folks, for, for our English viewers, uh, Tim Dakin went to the first GavCon conference, and he asked me not to publish his photo because he didn't want the rest of the Church of England to see him there. And so I was a good boy, and I didn't publish his photo. And now this, his appearance at GAFCON 1, his sort of flouncing around, showing people 
where he allegedly was ordained a priest. Oh, I was ordained here at All Saints Cathedral. They don't remember that, but that's neither here nor there. Um, he's now gone totally over uh, to the establishment side, and uh, he doesn't recall having been a Gafgon one. Uh, I well. That's unkind. I won't go well, there. I mean, Here I said I'd be a nice guy and not engage in personal invective. And what do I do? I people I like our honesty. show myself to be a fool. <laughs> we people like the show because we're honest. We're transparent. What you see is what you get. When you meet us in purpose, pers when you meet us in person, we are exactly what you see on the show, and that's the magic, guys. We've just hit forty minutes of interesting topics. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're going to close out the show now people at the end of the show don't don't just turn off now you're going to see about 45 submissions from people around the world giving us 30 seconds and 45 seconds of hey 500 you made it a couple of these have some uh audio issues because the audio didn't come through that's just life but uh, i tried as best as possible to uh, uh put them all together and they're, they're taped here at the end of uh, episode 500. I want to thank you, the audience. You have made this wonderful. Whenever we travel, we get to meet you. We look forward to talking to you, asking about where you go to church. Um, we certainly delight in talking about the program. And um, you are what makes Anglican Unscripted. We covet your prayers. We've talked about the ailments that we go through as, as hosts and co-hosts of the show. Um, it is a struggle to our bodies. We thank you for your prayers because it has transformed us. We are not the same people we were seven years ago. We have grown in our faith, we have grown in our knowledge, and we've grown in our wisdom. And that's because of you, the viewer, taking time to pray for us. We really appreciate that. But you know what you need to do now? You need to share. Share this program on Facebook and YouTube. Click the share books uh, buttons. Click it, email it, send it around. Like it on Facebook. Like it on YouTube. Please put your comments on the YouTube channel. We'd like to hear from you uh, around the world. It's a, a blessing to, to see people all the way from Kazakhstan to uh, Africa to uh, all the continents. It, it's an amazing encouragement to us to, to see how this program has has stretched out to the world. It, it truly is amazing. I'm Kevin Coulson. I'm George Conger. I'm Gavin Ashenden. Thank you for your patience and your company. You've been listening to episode 500 of Anglican Unscripted. Yes, he's back. Not from the dead. He's not Lazarus, but he's Peter Old from England. Those guys who remember the early days of Anglican Unscripted, probably before episode 300, maybe, we had this chap, had more hair then, so did I, by the way, uh, had a wonderful goatee, still has it, used to wear a collar once in a while because he is ordained, but offered a great Church of England perspective of what was going on. In fact, you lived out by Canterbury, if I remember correctly. I do, and I uh, still live by Canterbury in the same house. And I was just reflecting, actually, just before we began exactly how long ago it was that I used to do this regularly. I certainly was back in the two and three hundreds, I think. Yeah, it was. Wasn't it? It was a lot of fun, too, because um, you and I both had the shared experience of Rowan, the shared experience mm. of Justin. And uh, certainly early on, we were kind of both Justin fanboys and uh, really supported what he was doing. And it kind of uh, was fun to sit and talk about uh, Anglican unscripted news 
throughout this whole time. And uh, people wondered, where did Peter go? You know, I didn't fire you, but you got a real <laughs> no, job. No, you didn't fire me. I just, my job got really busy. Mm-hmm. And it's actually even busier now. And I just had to reprioritize my time. So uh, I'm now um, flying here, there, and everywhere for a, uh, a very large international firm that you Americans might actually know, but I'm not going to mention. Yeah, you do. It's okay. But, but when I name them, when I'm on a flight to the, to the States, everybody goes, oh, can you tell me my credit score? And I go, wrong side of the business. <laughs> um, so well, all, all well, the you... American listeners can, uh, can uh, work it out from uh, there. But... But these days, I just do spend a lot of my time working and traveling. Um, right now, for example, I'm fixing a trip to South Africa and one to Cairo. So it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's uh, well, life got very busy. And this was just one of the things that, that, that had to go, sadly. Well, I do want to thank you for stopping in and helping us out here. Uh, any encouragement you can give us? Is the, is the Church of England going to have a little reformation soon? or? Um... <sighs> Well, you need to ask God that, wouldn't you? Because it's really it's primarily in his hands. Um, I want to encourage you that our God is a God of death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. So even in the darkest times, um, when you feel, oh, what is it all going to? Actually, we have a God who time and time again brings life from death. So actually, there's a today and they're sort of beginning to lament things in the Church of England. And I was going, well, look, you know, look, even if we get to a point where the revisionists in the Church of England take us to the place where they've taken uh, the Episcopal Church in the States, right? So I will, up till that point, I will spend my life speaking against it and mm-hmm. proclaiming the truth, the historic Catholic and apostolic faith. And if they throw me out, if they eventually throw me out, because I'm not going to leave, if they throw me out for preaching historic Christianity, then that's still better than being blown to pieces by a bomb, right? And uh, it's really not that bad, right? And and God will always be vindicated. He will vindicate himself and he will always carry his church forward. And so let's stay, let's fight. And if they throw us out, they're the ones throwing us out. Peter, thank you so much for being a part of Anglican Unscripted. Um, hopefully one day in the future you can become a regular contributor again. But we understand the need to fly all over the world. <laughs> Don't miss those days. So, welcome to Behind the Scenes Anglican Unscripted. No, I don't always wear black polo shirts. Sometimes I wear blue. <laughs> Behind me is the studio. And this is where... And Unscripted is filmed once or twice a week, depending on our schedules. And I thought I'd show you around a little bit, because it's kind of fun to see what happens here. First, we implore, no, that's not the right word, use lots of technology. Like, Alexa, turn on studio. So, here is the studio. Basically, this is the uh, computer I use to uh, edit the show and record the show with Gavin and George and other guests. I've got my speakers. Here's those bright lights you see. Back there is the camera that records me. It's a nice little black magic camera. This is our microphone. This is the uh, monitor I use to make sure that I'm in focus. Oh my gosh, look at how bald I am. And this is just a little bit of the studio, which is usually full of wires, 
wife always says, hey, am I going to pick this up? Why are the wires everywhere? And that's just the way the ball rolls. A lot of people say, what kind of uh, uh, software to use? Well, we use uh, Wirecast uh, software to record what goes on here. Uh, it can uh, send a rendezvous feed back and forth to our friends across the sea or down in Florida. I use Final Cut Pro uh, to edit the show. And uh, it's a kind of a neat little feature because it allows me to take all this footage and uh, I'm editing some fun videos that you guys have uh, submitted. Uh, I got to say three of them didn't come through with sound and I'm sorry about that, uh, but the rest are doing just fine. So I will get these up. Uh, it's, a, it's amazing to watch uh, what you guys have uh, put together and uh, some of you guys did this outside, which is awesome. Some of you guys did this inside. <laughs> some of you guys did it well lit. Some of you guys did it uh, outside. So it's going to be a lot of fun putting these videos up later. Um, for those who did, you know, this one didn't come through with any sound. I'm sorry. Uh, so I won't be able to really do any justice to that. Uh, this one didn't come with any sound either. And I guess... Uh, um, that's it. But thank you guys for submitting videos for episode 500 of Anglican Unscripted. Hi, Kevin, George and Gavin. I'm Graham Bridger and I'm chair of a Christian centre in Brentwood called Pilgrim's Hall. I have to say it's been great listening to you three chatting away so honestly uh, in the months gone by about what's happening in the church and the state. All I can do is say keep going with what you're doing and be encouraged. Uh, we are praying for you and we know that as the days are going to get darker, uh, we move closer to the return of Jesus. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. Hey y'all, this is Phil from South Carolina and I just want to say congratulations on reaching 500 shows and I hope you have 500 more. I just want to say I'm very blessed by Anglican Unscripted because you all talk about the spiritual realities of the church and the world in the way that I have never heard before. Very honest and very open, and it has made me think, and it has made me pray. And I want to give a special shout-out to uh, to Gavin to say thank you for uh, your morning prayer and for your homilies. I'm, I'm also very blessed by those. So I hope you have uh, many more. God bless. Bye-bye. Greetings to you, brothers and sisters. I am uh, Lucas Katenda. Greeting you from Namibia, Southern Africa. I am one of those who were privileged to have been watching and following the Anglican Unscripted Anglican TV when I was still studying in the United States at Virginia Theological Seminary. I have been following all the uh, news and commentaries that uh, you, uh, Kevin and Reverend uh, George Conga, and now Bishop Kevin Ashenden. The work that you have been doing for those who have been following, uh, is very valuable, very significant, uh, especially in the world where information 
is hidden uh, in the whole setup and in the whole hierarchy of the Anglican Communion. Hi, I'm Martin. I live in England, Bury St Edmunds. And um, I watch Anglican Scripted, I guess, for oh, probably about 50 episodes now, something like that. And uh, yeah, I look for it for information, find out what's going on, what dastardly deed Mr. Welby, Reverend, sorry, Welby has been up to. And to see if the Lord will show us a way forward. Hello, Kevin, George and Gavin. This is Helen and Brian from Adelaide, Australia. Congratulations on your 500th episode of Anglican Unscripted. We look forward to your thousands. <laughs> we enjoy watching every week. And we're in GAVCON at Jerusalem um, last June. And lovely to have such a worldwide perspective, which you also provide. So thank you for that. At any rate, congratulations. Bye. Bye. Greetings from West Michigan. My name is Jill Clark. And this is Harley. Harley's almost 20 years old. Now, you guys haven't been operating that long. I know uh, when Anglican TV began, I was hanging around, being a gopher back in the early days. Um, Kevin and George and Gavin, I want to thank you so much for sticking with it. It means a lot to those of us who can't be in an Anglican um, body because there is no um, conservative, orthodox Anglican fellowship nearby. So I enjoy listening to you guys um, talk and look forward to um, bringing news from around the world and what's going on in the, uh, the church of my heart. Hello, this is Drew Collins from Charleston, South Carolina. Congratulations, 500 episodes. That is magnificent. And I want to say that I have watched, I believe, every one. I started watching around episode 6 or 7, went back, watched the, the rest, and you have done a magnificent job keeping Anglicans and other faithful Christians informed, entertained uh, about what is going on in the world. And for that, you deserve great congratulations. I also want to say that uh, I think you've done a great service in helping those Anglicans who are in places where they are not connected to perhaps a faithful Anglican parish to feel connected to the larger world or to the larger Anglican world. And that is a great service. So Thank you for your service. God bless you all, and I wish you a happy 500 more. Hello, Anglican Unscripted. My name is Kevin, and I'm privileged to be one of the servers here at the Church of England Proprietary Chapel of St. Peter in Ely in Cambridgeshire, where we're trying to be a little oasis of Anglo-Catholic uh, orthodoxy. And I hope you can see behind me our glorious... Roots Green by Sininian Comper. Uh, I'm so grateful to Anglican Unscripted for helping to promote the true faith, for putting the real issues of the day into their proper context, and for helping me to realise that I'm not alone, and we here are not alone in what we're trying to achieve. So, thank you. Congratulations on 500 episodes, and here's to many more. I watch Anglican Unscripted because it speaks truth to power and does not compromise on the good news of Jesus and our need for repentance. 
The unforgivable sin is now rocking the boat. No longer is it grieving the Holy Spirit. By speaking truth to power, you guys are rocking the boat big time. That needs courage and bravery. Please, guys, keep on rocking and above all, stick closer to Jesus in all you do. Hey, Kevin, George and Gavin. We absolutely love listening to you guys. This is Elizabeth and I'm Jane. We're down here in New Zealand outside the Church of the Good Shepherd. After 10 years in England, we traded up our English cathedral to get back to this cathedral, the beauty of our country. We thank you so much for the spotlight that you shine on the state of the church during these times. Jesus' great commission was to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, and your ministry achieves it through the internet. God bless you, brothers. Greetings, Kevin, George and Gavin. My name is Leslie. I'm from Auckland, New Zealand. Lots happening in the spiritual realm here down under, both in the world of Anglicanism and the church nationally. The tectonic plates in the spiritual realm are certainly moving. Love your program. God bless. Look forward to many, many more programs. Kevin, George and Gavin, it's uh, a milestone. 500 Anglican unscripted uh, broadcast, which is awesome. Uh, this is David Wilson from the Anglican Diocese of Pittsburgh and the ACNA Executive Committee, and I am pleased to congratulate you guys on the 500th broadcast. I can remember, Kevin, when you first started out, when you first started filming um, ACNA events and ACN events. In fact, I can even remember back in the day when you were part of the Connecticut Five and you would uh, tape Dr. Bill Witt and others as you uh, were uh, realigning out of the Episcopal Diocese of Connecticut. And George, I go back even further with you. Uh, my wife Gail was in charge of the Anglican or the then Episcopal Diocese of Pittsburgh's ordination process. She was the administrator of it. And you went through that process back in the day. So it's kind of an amazing uh, journey you've been on. Gavin, you're the, the youngster in the group, but uh, your contributions have been uh, monumental as well. So uh, let me congratulate you guys and hope that you uh, do another 500 more. Hello, I'm the Unknown Methodist, coming to you from deep in the heart of Texas. And this is Little Jack the Wrangler. We watch Anglican TV because you three good men are courageous, you're unashamed of the gospel, you speak truth to power, and you articulate the things that I think. I appreciate what you do and hope you do it for another 500 episodes. Keep up the good work and know that you have a friend in Texas. Hello Anglican Unscripted and all my fellow viewers. 
I'm Arthur Cherms, and I'm speaking to you from the little village of Wolseley in South Africa. I came to the Anglican Church at the tender age of six years old, when my mother enrolled me into the choir of Cape Town Cathedral, where I sang for most of my working life. I've been a practicing Anglican for six decades now, and in recent years I've sensed a change which I find deeply disturbing. I sense that we're no longer being led by the Holy Spirit, but rather by the Spirit of the age. So my deep gratitude goes out to you three wise men, Kevin, George and Gavin, for gently pointing us back to the roots of our faith, the Bible and seeking God's will in our lives. God bless all three of you in your ministry to us, and here's to the next 500 episodes of Anglican Unscripted. 500 episodes. Hello, this is Rob Sheridan coming to you from the Bronx. Uh, I've been watching since episode 400, um, and I just really love Anglican Unscripted because it gives me an Orthodox Christian perspective that I don't get anywhere else, and because I really trust and respect uh, three caring Christian men who are on the show and uh, really give me what I need to hear. Hi, I'm Chris Parsons. I watch Anglican TV and I've been doing that for about two or three years. And I'm an Anglican priest at present uh, associated with the Christian Episcopal Church and Gavin is my bishop. And I live in East Anglia in uh, the UK and I'm just grateful for the connection and the encouragement that Anglican Unscripted brings. Hello, Kevin, George and Gavin. My name is Peter Beals, the isolated Congregationalist, uh, the son of a Congregational Minister. Uh, that's my father there. Uh, when he was 32 years of age in the summer of 1944, uh, the Second World War still raging, um, he did a bit of uh, Congregationalist uh, unscripted. He and three other ministers spent two days in prayerful uh, preparation and then they spent three nights each at four isolated congregational churches giving encouragement. Um, they later published the outline of their talks and one of my treasured possessions is a booklet entitled The Lordship of Christ and this is really putting in scripted form the unscripted talks that they gave to these churches and uh, the booklet has a subtitle which was inspired by my father uh, his days as a bugler in the boys brigade and it's called the Christian Rivali and uh, I think that is what you are sounding in your uh, various discussions and may you long continue. Thank you. I'm actually a vineyard pastor from uh, Brighton in the UK, although I was raised um, a Catholic. And I just would really, really encourage you guys to continue doing what you're doing. Although you're Anglicans and from that tradition, heresy is not confined to your tradition. It really is across the denominational church board in the Western Church. And I love listening to you. I love listening to you disseminate truth, your knowledge of church history, etc., etc. So keep on going, keep speaking out, and bring people back to the authentic Jesus. 
Greetings from sunny London. I'm, uh, my name is Dina. I'm at Theological College. I'm writing my dissertation in this holiday. I'm hoping to finish it. I just want to say thank you for all your kindness, your work and your sacrifice for us. Thank you for sustaining me in these really tough times and in a particular personally tough season. I really look forward to episode 1000. I hope I meet at least one of you soon and I really just want to send you blessings from Jesus through me, in your name, in his name, even. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Hello, Gavin, George, and Kevin. This is Bill and Carol McRee. We live in the Diocese of South Carolina. And we are better known as... As the Blue Cat Lady. And Blue Cat Man. We have truly been blessed by your ministry of Anglican Inc. and Anglican TV. And we pray that you have it, we've been watching, pray that you have at least 500 more episodes. We have been watching you since episode 43. Thank you again for your blessing to us all. Good night from South Carolina. Greetings, Kevin, George, and Gavin. This is Sandra Coombs speaking to you from Australia. Uh, Kevin, I know that you did want to have some uh, animals in the video, and I did go down to the local wildlife park. I was hoping to film with a koala or a kangaroo, but they were having none of it, so you've just got me. Why do I love Anglican Unscripted? Well, simply because you speak truth to a church and a world that needs to hear it. I, uh, I worship in a Baptist church here, a wonderful church. It's taken a little while for us all to realise how the world is changing and it's going to change even more rapidly for us in the future, I believe. Things here aren't quite as advanced as they are in the UK and perhaps the US, but uh, Australia will be catching up, I'm sure. You give me great encouragement and you make me realise that I'm not alone in some of the concerns that I have had. So God bless you all with your work. Onward to episode 1000. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm sure that all your audience are, are greatly uplifted every time we turn on to hear Kevin say, welcome to another Anglican Unscripted and Gavin at the end signing off, possibly having uh, a little bit of trouble with uh, 2019, Gavin. God bless you, and thank you so much for the work that you do. Bye now. Well, you asked for it. My name's Martin. I'm a particular Baptist, and I listen to Anglican Unscripted. Does this sound like an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting? I can hear your question. Why would a Baptist listen to Anglican Unscripted? To start with, I was christened. I also spent my teenage years in an Anglican school and attended a local parish church. And for most of that time I was also in the choir. So I care about the Church of England. I also care about how people outside the church view Christians. The problem is that the high profile Christians are the Anglican archbishops and bishops. That means that people hear what Justin Welby says and thinks that is what Christians believe. And it isn't. And I didn't understand Justin Welby until I listened to Anglican Unscripted. But now I've got a far better idea of what he's about. So thank you for that. And congratulations on reaching 500 episodes. Hi, I'm Pete Walker from Shropshire, England. 
As an exile from the Church of England, I'm very concerned about the drift of so many churches in Britain away from biblical authority and orthodox Christian teaching. I've therefore been greatly encouraged to follow Anglican Unscripted's regular and insightful analysis of the trends of secularisation within the C of E and society, and to know that these concerns are shared by many others in Britain, America and elsewhere. While I believe that the re-establishment of Israel as a nation is by far the most significant sign of the Lord's imminent return, the widespread apostasy of the churches is also a major sign, so this gives us reason to be much more urgent in spreading the gospel. Thank you guys for keeping us informed and for your fellowship and encouragement in the faith. Hello guys, my name is Billy Kerr from Irvine, Ayrshire in Scotland. I'm a, an elder in the, the New Apostate Church of Scotland. I really like your show, I discovered it a few months ago and I look forward to it very much. So keep up the good work. And by the way, Kevin, I'm one of the 5% that don't have a four year degree at university. Hello, Kevin, George, and Gavin. Greetings from Ayrshire in Scotland. I'm Andrew Baldock, and until last year, I was a rector in the Scottish Episcopal Church, but left after they introduced so-called same-sex marriage. I now uh, minister to a small congregation in an independent evangelical church, um, but very much consider myself still to be an Anglican evangelical and keep up to date with all things Anglican through your very great ministry which I much appreciate and uh, encourage you to keep up the good work. <laughs>